Hi, this is Keith Payne at CBD Perform and welcome to the CBD Perform podcast. Now in this podcast series, um, we will be discussing everything CBD from the history of CBD and how CBD can support people for um, you know, some of the main conditions and ailments that they potentially have, which is things like um, stress and anxiety, um, sleeping disorders and improving sleep quality, and also pain and using CBD as an analgesic potentially as well. So there's many benefits. And we're going to be discussing the pros and cons and whether it can potentially work or not work and really be as educational and informative as we can. Now, um, if you want to find out more information about the CBD Perform products and the range of products that we supply, which covers edibles, it covers CDB, uh, CBD oils, CBD cosmetics, CBD topicals, creams and rubs, please visit the website, which is www.cbdperform.co.uk. That's www.cbdperform.co.uk. Um, but yeah, I hope you enjoy the CBD podcast series. Um, and without further ado, we're going to get straight into it. So I hope you enjoyed today's session and thank you for tuning in and please enjoy. Hi, uh, this is Keith Payne at CBD Perform and this is a CBD Perform vlog. Um, so we're now moving on to um, module six and we're going to be specifically looking at the cannabinoids for the digestive and the respiratory system. Um, it's a fairly um, in-depth part of the course and we're going to be covering things like becoming familiar with the process of digestion, um, learning how the endocannabinoid system relates to the digestive tract, learning about how cannabinoids may influence IBS um, or IBD, which is irritable bowel syndrome and irritable bowel disease. Um, we'll talk about leaky gut syndrome, heartburn, nausea, vomiting, any weight issues. We'll become familiar with anatomy or physiology of the respiratory system. We'll learn about how the endocannabinoid system relates to the lungs. And we'll also try and understand how cannabinoids may influence cases of asthma, coughs, colds and the flu itself as well. So it's a fairly um, in-depth part of the course and a highly interesting one as well um, in relation to um, endocannabinoids and uh, you know how sort of cannabinoids relate to the, that part of the um, digestive thing. So we'll, we'll just go straight into it and I think the first thing we'll, we'll just talk about is you know just generally increasing our knowledge and in previous discussions we've looked at cancer which is one of the most serious diseases and um, hopefully we won't ever have the need to work with CBD oil because of that disease. Um, but there are plenty of other commonly encountered illnesses and conditions where the use of CBD oil may be really very useful. Um, and the upcoming um, discussion will give you plenty of advice and relevant research to help us make an informed choice about using CBD oil when it comes to using any supplement. Um, and at the end of the day, knowledge is power. So the more you understand about your own body, um, the illness or condition, and about the actual supplements um, that you can use to manage those conditions, the better the chances um, of you being able to achieve you know, really good outcomes and really good results. So there's plenty of information for us to explore in this module. So we'll get stuck in um, to the learning side of things about cannabinoids for the digestive system and the respiratory system as well. Now, the endocannabinoid system and digestion, the, 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 the gut's enteric um, nervous system and the brain, they're known to communicate with each other a conversation which is believed, at least in part, to be facilitated by the endocannabinoid system. Um, I think that we've all experienced that strong link between our gut and our brain, um, feeling our emotions in our stomach or our bowel, um, 
neurons within the enteric nervous system, which is the network of nerves serving the digestive tract, they've been found to feature both CB1 and CB2 receptors, which we've previously discussed. And therefore, we know that the endocannabinoid um, is strongly at play within our digestive system. So before we take a look at how the endocannabinoid system regulates certain aspects of the digestive process, um, it'd be wise to take a look at the normal functions of the digestive tract um, and give a little anatomy and physiology lesson, um, if you can think about it like that. Um, and I'll give a, you know, some background so that we have a, a greater understanding. Now, if you um, talk to family and you just ask about among family and friends, um, good healthy digestion it's actually not that common these days. Um, on, on the mild end of the scale, people might complain about indigestion or heartburn, whilst at the other end of the scale, we see a great many cases of irritable bowel syndrome, commonly known as IBS, or inflammatory bowel disease, which is IBD, um, and the hypothesized leaky gut syndrome, um, and a whole spectrum of different food allergies that affect people in different ways. So what should actually happen in a digestive tract when the system is functioning normally, it's important to understand that so we have a baseline. Healthy digestion begins with our teeth, which mechanically chew our food. A saliva, um, which is released by the parotid, submambibular and sublingual glands, um, is released in response to the sight, smell and taste of food. It contains salivary amylase, um, an enzyme which breaks down starch. The creation and release of saliva under um, autonomic control being stimulated by our parasympathetic nerves and inhibited by our sympathetic nerves. When, when, when we're stressed or nervous, sympathetic stimulation kicks in and therefore saliva production is slowed down, which is why we get a dry mouth when we're nervous. Um, the, the conscious action of swallowing our chewed food um, initiates um, a reflex autonomic swallowing action which leads to waves of peristalsis and peristaltic waves help to move food down the esophagus. From the esophagus, food moves into the stomach by way of the lower esophageal sphincter, um, and a sphincter which is usually kept shut unless we're swallowing food or vomiting, otherwise the acidic, con acidic contents of the stomach can move up and out, and that can actually be quite, quite destructive to other parts of our body, uh, for likes of teeth and um, so sw swallowed um, food then enters um, the sausage-shaped stomach. Um, closed off at the top by the lower esophageal sphincter, at the bottom it can be closed or opened by the pyloric sphincter. The stomach has the ability to stretch considerably as food enters it, thanks to its um, elastic walls. When food enters um, the stomach, the hormone gastrin um, made by the G cells in the stomach wall is released, which in turn triggers the release of gastric juice. Um, the food is churned together with gastric juice, um, which is a highly acidic liquid um, composed of hydrochloric acid um, made by the parietal cells in the stomach wall. Pepsinogen, um, which is made by chief cells, mucus, gastric lipis, um, which start fat digestion, water, and intrinsic factor. Um, gastrin also makes the stomach churn, um, helping the food to mix thoroughly with the gastric juices. Um, in the presence of hydrochloric acid, pepsinogen is converted to pepsin, um, and that's the enzyme which initiates the breakdown of proteins. Pepsinogen um, is inactive, so as to prevent the breakdown of proteins in the stomach wall um, itself. Now, after um, a number of hours um, in the stomach, the food becomes a liquid known as chyme 
and the chime starts to enter the duodenum of the small intestine via the pyloric sphincter. Um, the, the small intestine has three parts to it. The duodenum, followed by the jejunum, followed by the ileum. Um, chime moves along the six metres of a small intestine via segmentation, where the small segments are closed off at a time to, to force food along. Um, and I always think it's quite... Um, you know, it's quite a thing to think about six metres of small intestine. I mean, that's huge, um, you know, in terms of the length of it. Um, and that's actually inside our, um, you know, inside our, our, our body. So um, the um, the hydrochloric acid triggers the release of cholecystokinin, which in turn promotes the release of bile and pancreatic juices. Um, these will continue to digest our food. Um, so the digestion process is continuing. The small intestine is also an organ of digestion and its anatomy is perfectly designed for that job. Um, the walls of the of this tube are covered by tiny projections called villi, which vastly increase the surface areas available for the process of absorption. Um, individual villi contain a lacteal, um, which is a little, little uh, lymph duct, and onto these lacteals, um, that fat are absorbed and swept away into the lymphatic circulation. Um, in turn, each villi is covered with its own microvilli, to further increase surface area expansion. Um, and if you look at it under a microscope, the wall of a small intestine has a velvet appearance thanks to um, its um, anatomy that we've just described. Now, the duodenum um, secretes uh, secretin and um, choleocystokinin. Um, secretin triggers the release of biocarbonate rich fluid from the pancreas, which neutralizes the acidic chime. Um, secretin also inhibits the stomach's activity. Um, Choleocystokinin stimulates bile release from the gallbladder and activates the pancreas to release its pancreatic juices. Both the bile and the pancreatic juices enter into the duodenum through the sphincter um, of Ode. Um, Choleocystokinin also inhibits hunger. Um, it's a neuropeptide, so it can communicate with the brain and also interacts with immune receptors right across the body. Um, the pancreatic juices carry on the starch, fat and protein digestion while the bile emulsifies fats making them much easier for the pass enzymes to actually digest. Um, pancreatic juices contain um, proteases which like pepsigenin are an active form of protein enzyme which um, needs to be activated by the enterokinase. Um, they also contain lipases and nucleases and amylases all enzymes which continue digestion and the digestion process. Um, bile is produced by heptocytes, which are liver cells, and stored within the gallbladder before it's released into the duodenum. From the duodenum, um, chime passes down the jejunum, um, then into the ileum, where small intestinal digestion draws to an end. Um, the undigested remnants of our food then pass down to the large intestine. Um, the large intestine, which is the colon, um, is divided into the initial cecum and the ascending, transverse, descending and the sigmoid colons. Um, water absorption takes place in the large intestine and any remaining nutrients will pass across the epithelium into the bloodstream. What is left is known as faeces. When the faeces move down to the rectum, it stretches the walls and triggers the defecation reflex, allowing us to expel our undigested food. Um, I think what you know would be good of you um, just do a simple Google search on um, diagrams for the digestive system. You'll be able to get a really good visual of that really quickly as well. 
I think it's helpful just to get a you know a visual of how the um, how the actual digestive system is laid out um, in terms of an actual image that you can look at. Now, um, looking at the endocannabinoid system involvement in this process, there's basically three main ways in which the endocannabinoid system influences the digestive system. First of all, it plays a role in regulating the digestive process that you've just read about. Different um, activity at the CB1 receptors here can lead to various changes in the motility, which is the peristalsis and churning actions of the digestive tract. Um, those endocannabinoids and the cannabinoids themselves, which activate these receptors, elicit an antiemetic effect, which um, and that reduces gastric acid secretion, slows peristalsis and slowing the emptying of the stomach itself. Um, meanwhile, potent stimulation of the CB1 receptors promotes hunger. Um, and if you remember, we've discussed previously THC's notorious struggling um, of the munchies. That's interesting to consider at this stage as well. Um, ties in. Um, th this system, therefore, has an influence on our appetite. And in particular, they found it can influence our food-seeking behaviour and fat intake. Um, the endocannabinoid system also appears to influence the permeability of the gut. The second thing um, to think about is it facilitates the discussion between the digestive system and the brain mentioned um, at the start of this discussion today. Um, the endocannabinoid system lets the digestive tract know if the brain is experiencing stress or anxiety, um, hence the occurrence of physical symptoms um, under uh, these circumstances and it lets the brain know when the digestive system, system is experiencing inflammation or infection. Um, the third thing to think about is it also modulates inflammation within the digestive tract. Um, we know that both the CB1 and CB2 receptors, when they're bound with certain cannabinoids, can produce anti-inflammatory action by modulating the immune system's inflammatory process. One um, final interesting endocannabinoid observation is that it appears to be able to communicate with the gut flora. Um, the healthy bacteria in our gut um, has a number of roles um, which include that of influencing the gut permeability I mentioned above. There, there is a growing um, body of evidence which suggests, suggests that the issues within the endocannabinoid system can play a role in the development of the digestive system related issues such as obesity, um, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel disease. So if we think about what this means in terms of using cannabinoids to address issues in the digestive system. It certainly points to the potential of improved digestive health and also the um, potential alleviations of symptoms. And indeed, research has backed up some such examples of, as we're going to discover. Um, there's a great many illnesses and scenarios that can leave the digestive tract physically damaged or out of balance. As soon as you hear the term out of balance, um, now you're probably automatically thinking about the endocannabinoid system and cannabinoids. And that's a fair um, call to make in this specific scenario. Um, whether it's a digestive system that's been left inflamed or damaged by an infection or, or an allergy, or a system where the gut flora is out of balance, um, which is a condition known as dysbiosis, um, perhaps due to the use of antibiotics, um, the encouragement back towards a state of homeostasis where things are in balance via tweaks mediated by the endocannabinoid system may have a positive outcome for the overall health of this system. Um, so that's it for this lesson in module six. 
Um, we'll see you in the next lesson. I hope you've enjoyed this part of the um, vlog and I look forward to talking to you in the next lesson. Thanks very much. Bye. Hi, this is Keith Payne at CBD Perform. Um, thank you so much for listening in to today's session. Really do hope that you have found it interesting and informative. If you would like to discover more information about CBD Perform products, um, please visit the website, which is www.cbdperform.co.uk, where you will find more information on the CBD range of oils, um, our CBD range of edibles, our range of cosmetic products, which includes uh, creams, um, lip balms, um, bath bombs, all CBD products that will be very, very useful and help people with either um, supporting the pain management or supporting um, anxiety and stress or supporting improved sleep. You will find lots of really good information on the website. Um, you'll also find our blog there, which is really informative and also really useful information about CBD dosages and where to start. So the website address is www.cbdperform.co.uk. And once again, thank you so much for listening in and we'll look forward to seeing you in our next session. So take care for now and um, all the best. Thank you. Bye.